Hello and welcome back to the Beerwise Podcast. This is the podcast that looks at what's going on in the world, Beerwise. Thanks for joining me on the Beerwise Podcast. Today's guests need little introduction. Mariah Calagiomi is the co-founder of Dogfish Head Craft Brewery and the first marketing director that ever guided the brewery. Andrew Greeley is the founding manager of the Dogfish Inn, who was tasked to open the inn by Sam and Mariah. We're going to talk today about their new book, 26 Off-Centered Years, about the history of Dogfish Head and about what the brewery has in store. Dogfish Head for me, like for many beer enthusiasts, was a gateway beer. So it was an absolute pleasure to interview these two and to have the opportunity to pick their brains about the brewery that they are so close to. Here's our conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for taking the time to sit down with me. I appreciate it. And uh, the book was a very, very cool read, um, kind of taking a trip down memory lane. I've been a fan for a while. Um and uh, it's, it's like looking through an old yearbook with all the pictures of the beers and everything, you know, the beers of yesteryear. So um, it, it was fun. One of the I do want to start off talking about the book, though. And one of the things, um, the threads that keeps coming through is the thread of community. Um, and there's new stories and you've added to previous books and you've there's a lot of content that's not that I, that I hadn't heard before. Um, but it's also a very human story, and it's also uh, you, you guys are show a lot of content. And I'm, I'm curious what made you decide to include near misses and mistakes and missteps uh, in the in the course of the book. Well, I guess I mean I, I'll go first. I guess that's what you learn from, right? Like if you, you know, if you're not sort of making any mistakes, it probably means you're not trying to at least push yourself enough. So I think it's important. Like we we always, we don't even do it enough, but we want to sort of like, you know, make sure that our mistakes are something that we have awareness of and that we're learning from so that a, we're, we're either making new or different mistakes in the future versus the same ones over and over. And if you don't know about, you know, if you don't uh, sort of create an environment where people are allowed to own their mistakes, then they're just going to like push them under the couch cushion and then you're just going to make the same ones over and over. So I think that's sort of the thinking there. I don't know, Andrew, if you have anything to add there. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, sort of very similar to what Mariah said. It's it's kind of kind of part of our DNA. And I think about, you know, the big story, the, the story people love to hear, and especially when it's the first time they hear it about when uh, when Sam paddled across to New Jersey and nobody was at the bar, but there was one writer there who picked up the story. And then after about two weeks, then more and more people picked up the story and it turned into this, this just awesome story that you could never plan it, right? And uh, it's kind of like, it's about that sort of fall, you know, always fail forward, make mistakes, but your mistakes, if, if you kind of own them, you can also turn them into, into successes. So I think that's, that's probably a big part of it. And just innovation since the beginning, it, 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 you can't really innovate and push the envelope without, without making some of those, those hard stumbles. So sure. I think uh, that's another key part of it, of, of, of sort of, uh, the pointing out to those moments where it was like, well, that didn't go well, but we learned from it. 
And sure. uh, we keep that beginner's mind. We'll always be learning from it and always getting better. Okay. Okay. And then how do you, you, you guys, the, the, the book is very approachable from a beer enthusiast standpoint um, and someone who's familiar with the story. How do you open it up to folks who may not be familiar with the doctor's story? I mean, I think that's sort of like the the um, sort of the way we put it together as just a little almost like you said, a yearbook or a scrapbook, whereas, you know, you might be sitting like in your friend's you know living room and see it and you open it up and you don't have to like read chapters of long words and short words like you don't have to actually sit and read commit to reading a book to learn about dogfish head you just open it up to any page and you're going to learn something about dogfish head whether that's about one of our beers one of our experiences one of our coworkers, and the way we told we tell those stories every day it's not about the you know technical like you know sort of the beer geek side it's more just about the human side so i think the book just the nature of the way the book was put together um makes it very approachable to non-dogfish head hardcore fans and to dogfish head hardcore fans yeah and i think some of that accessibility we talk about a lot with um you know kind of ever since we opened and sam says it a lot and uh and a lot of folks on the tour will say it is don't be don't be beer snobs, right? Beer be beer geeks and beer jedis, and kind of show people the way, um, because a lot of times you can really push people away if you get that real technical side. So I think one thing that's awesome about this is you're going to open it up and learn about some pretty amazing beers that we've made in the past. If you've never seen it before from Midas touch to Vossier and all of those. And then it's not going to get insanely technical on the sort of molecular, you know, archeology that was happening. It's really about, it's really about Dr. Pat McGovern and Sam and Mariah and, and, and the other brewers that were involved in those stories that it's, there's that, that human element is what, what makes it so accessible. So uh, I think that's another, another cool part of it. You, you could be a super beer geek and really get into it. And if, if you haven't had it before, it's uh, it's like our 60 minute, right? It's that gateway IPA into getting people out of the, the big light lagers. Sure. Sure. And there's also there's also a big thread of culture in the book and talking about the culture of dogfish head. I do. I do want to talk about the culture. So it's very prescient and very timely. I think the book coming out as we're on the precipice and hopefully turning the next page of the last 18, 24 months with COVID. Um, how what's been how have you sustained that culture? Because it's very people centric, but it's also, I mean, the world changed. Um, you know, and so now we've kind of, everything's been different. What have been some of the learnings or how do you sustain that culture when you're faced with a challenge that we've never, never seen? Andrew, you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Um, yeah. I think, uh, like, as you said here, I think sort of internally being able to connect this way as we are on teams right now was huge for us as just an internal company and uh, various teams were getting together and, and 
sort of figuring out how to sort of reconnect while we, everyone was working remotely. Um, there were challenges up at the uh, up at the production facilities as well because everyone's keeping distance and and things like that. So it was it was hard. Um, I think one of the keys was still making sure that we were finding time to to stop and appreciate all the little things that we're doing and share stories with each other about things that were happening internally. And uh, as things slowly started opening back up, we were able to get people back into our spaces down at the inn where I am up in Milton um, doing to go down in Rehoboth um, and even just having them come back and in exchange it in a parking lot and dropping beer off into somebody's trunk. Um, that was, that, that was huge for us. And, and they're still having an interaction with our people when they're doing that. Um, so I think that was, that was a big part of it was still being able to have those little touchstone moments. Um, I think engaging ever since we've opened, you know, Sam and Mariah have been super engaged with our local community and various aspects there as well. And uh, I think Mariah can probably speak to more of that stuff too, through all this. Yeah. I mean, right from the beginning, we, um, we're able to you know, turn our distillery into a hand sanitizer production. And so we were you know, able to leverage all those relationships we have with organizations throughout the state of Delaware in a way that let us help continue to help them, um, even though it was on a very different um, sort of way that we usually do. So that was really cool. Um, and through the Delaware Restaurant Association, we were able to find ways to support like the local restaurant community. And then just internally, I mean, our production coworkers never stopped. Like they, we, they never went remote. So it was figuring out how they could work safely, how the rest of us could you know, give them the space to work safely and still stay connected. And a lot of that was about, you know, when, as soon as we could, like finding ways to recreate coworker connection opportunities outdoors, whether that's, we took our beer 30 every week, we all have beers together on Friday afternoons. We took that outside, you know, we took our, um, you know, co-worker picnics. I mean, they were always outside, but we just made sure we did things that we could outside to make sure that people still were able to find connections when um, it seemed like it was hard to do. Sure. And when we had, uh, when we had the restaurants and the inn, they had to close a number of co-workers actually went up to the production facility and helped there as well because there were all these new protocols that we had to do so there was this really cool blending of all the teams that would never have happened and since everyone's sort of moved back to their spots these relationships that have been built because of it have definitely strengthened, I think, across all of our sites, which has been pretty cool. Okay, so so you've had people who normally their paths wouldn't cross. Now they have a reason why their paths have crossed and they're stronger after it. Yep. Yeah. And Andrew, I had to had to feel for you, especially in these times, because you talk about your origin story going into the hospitality industry and coming from a background not in hospitality. And then a couple of years in, there's the global pandemic where you have to kind of refigure everything. How how has that how have these times kind of changed your how have they changed the in or have they changed the in uh, experience? So it did change just a lot of our day to day with sort of, you know, some cleaning protocols and guest spaces and uh, and things like that. But one thing that 
that we really noticed once we started bringing folks back is um, how much we loved our time with our guests. And we were having less of that when uh, when when people weren't allowed in certain spaces and, and people were, you know, that first summer, a lot of people were kind of just moving around on their own. And we realized quickly just how much we missed that aspect of it. And so what I noticed is those little moments became that much more important. Those, those, those moments to just check in or check out just became that much more important and valuable to, to us as a team. And, uh, and I could see that at all the other sites as well. Um, because, uh, that human connection, I think is what's, what's key in all of it. And, uh, that's, that's one thing that I, that I sort of noticed through it is we really started to value that time with guests. Awesome. Awesome. Um, is there, have you guys kind of normalized? Um, I mean, obviously we're not back where we are at 18, but are people coming back to the inn? People are starting to return to, to the brewery and the, uh, the spaces downtown. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, you know, a little bit curtailed here and there in terms of we're not doing the the level of deep tours through the breweries that we were, you know, we're not up to hundred percent hours at the, um, restaurants, you know, just little things like that. But for the most part, we're up and running and um, our coworkers are back, um, you know, back on the job, interacting and with guests and telling awesome stories about beers and spirits and everything else dogfish. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's that's good to hear. I'm, I'm down in Florida. So we really acted like it was optional for a good portion of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I have to ask when I talk to somebody about the pandemic, because I don't really have a comparison. Um, where um, the pandemic, I don't want to talk too awful much about the pandemic, but um, in terms of the way things have changed now, do you see the, the challenges to dogfish head as a culture has the pandemic brought your team closer together um, and now there are diff- the challenges are different or where so many things I want to kind of unpack with the book um, <laughs> where what is the biggest challenge to the culture today? Do you think to the culture of dogfish head that you've built over the last 26 years? One thing I would say that the it allowed us to do is so we have coworkers in like a 30 mile radius here in Delaware and we have the restaurants with the brewery, we have the inn. And now like when we hop on a like sort of team marketing call with all of our hospitality properties, everyone's on the same playing field. It's not like five of us are sitting in one room and then there's one person calling in just on the phone from Rehoboth. And like, so it does give that level playing field where we're all like, even though we're, you know, geographically relatively close, we can easily, all be um, on the same playing field when it comes to just sort of communication across the company, which is kind of nice, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I would. I would echo the same. I would echo the same that being able it, it helped us connect almost more because of it because we started to learn quickly how to use these different tools, um, and uh, I think a lot of us too sort of missed some of those actual gatherings but uh but people got creative i mean i remember seeing some stuff that that sales teams were doing and and other groups were doing just to 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 connect and uh and it was pretty good it was pretty good so um 
but that was that was that that not being on site was a challenge, but it led to that that ability to to find other tools to do it. So that's a that's a great segue. Then what, Andrew? I want to talk about you with the inn and and your task with translating the dogfish culture to people who might have no experience with the brand as visitors or as how do you make those connections with folks uh, with what you're ta- with with maintaining the inn? So um, when we opened in uh, 2014, and and you've read it and. Uh, with uh, with Sam and Mariah taking me upstairs and, and me eventually getting down here, um, as I think more and more about it, it's it's a beer themed hotel, and our number one product is is beer and spirits and drinks, and we don't have any of that here. Right. So that really challenged me to uh, to try to sort of just figure out define the culture beyond it, and uh, and it's always been there, and a lot of that. As that is, it stemmed from Sam and Mariah, but uh, I always, I always fall back onto the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, um, which, uh, which is on the in the key box at the inn, it's on the oyster shucking station at Chesapeake and Maine, it's on the walls at the brewery, and it's on the wall at the pub, and it's also on the wall down in Miami, and I, I always fall back on that one. It's off-centered ales for off-centered people, or off-centered goodness for off-centered people, but if you look at that quote, it's really about people being themselves and uh and sort of owning that part of them and also the part about exploration of goodness of of going out and and drinking a number of different things and trying new things that will offend your palate but as you learn that something offends your palate it helps you understand what you do like and that concept of what is it that you want that you like don't let someone tell you what you like it's up to you to go on this exploration and i think that's one of the most amazing things as a co-worker at dogfish that sam and mariah cultivated is allowing co-workers to make that journey and explore different facets like running a hotel and uh, never ever thinking about it and, and and then having myself be here. I mean, that was amazing, but we want the same thing for our guests. So really that exploration piece is huge for us. So we call ourselves the, the base camp, the mother nature base camp of coastal Delaware. So what we're trying to do is push people out on that exploration and get up to the brewery and try all the new stuff coming off the R&D program, go down to the pub in Chesapeake and Maine and try new things, but also to get out into coastal Delaware at the state park and really get a sense of why we love this place and why we feel so connected to it. So uh, it, it comes back to that Emerson quote for me almost every time. Awesome. Awesome. And that's, and, and that's part of, and you, you touch on a lot of that in the book, but there's this, uh, this challenge that Sam, it, I don't know if he phrased it that way, but the email that he sent, and you talk a lot about the Japanese concept of hospitality and extending that. Um, did you feel in your first go round in the hospitality industry that that was, that, that was the bar was being set really high? In, in what sense? With with Sam sending that, well, so you're you're tasked with with starting the inn, and then you're and then this 
it's a it's an, a beautiful concept and a beautiful idea that he sends you about the the going above and beyond and and but then you're just I mean you're you're barely a tadpole in the hospitality industry so then how do you go to how do you turn it to eleven at the very beginning? <laughs> so honestly, the key for that for me was. I, I did have that sense of like, what what am I doing here? But it was that moment in the conference room when Mariah said, when we didn't open, when we opened the production, the restaurant, we didn't have restaurant experience. When we opened the brewery in Milton, we didn't have brewery experience. Right now, we don't have hotel experience. Let's learn together. Let's make mistakes together. I think that moment for me is what really made it all possible for me in my head and my heart. Because uh, I knew that they weren't just saying, hey, don't screw this up. They're saying, hey, let's create something together. Um, at least that's how I interpreted it. Mar- Mariah might have a. <laughs> the only that's thing I would add is that, you know, Andrew was new to the hotel business, but he had run the tasting room in Milton where we have, you know, now, you know, this was a couple of years ago, but now we have like 100,000 visitors a year pre covid visiting so i mean the idea of connecting with guests and his passion around telling the stories to guests and bringing them on the journey through their visit to the tasting room is really what said you know what sort of gave the idea to sam and i to reach out to andrew to um you know go on the journey with the inn in the first place so um it wasn't sort of his first rodeo in terms of connecting with guests and, and like sort of bringing that story to life for people. Um, and it was just a different way, you know, a different sort of platform. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you, so, so then now, now everything's back up and everybody's coming back together. Um, where, where do you go from here? What are, what's, so we've overcome the pandemic and Dogfish Head has scaled up to be one of the largest craft breweries in the country and, and aligned with Sam Adams. Um, you've, where, what's the next, what's the next road that we're taking? What's the next frontier we're chasing? What's the next, um, what's the next challenge we want to overcome? Um, we did come to Miami. That's a fun that, and that's relative. I mean, that we just opened in May, um, down in Miami with the brew pub there. So, uh, we, you know, of course, that was something that was in the works pre-pandemic. But you know, we're always looking for exciting ways to both, you know, share the love of of you know liquid form and story form of dogfish, but also to bring people in. Um, and so. Um, I'm not saying that we're looking to go to like a hundred brew publications or anything like that, but it was an opportunity that presented itself that made sense for us. Um, you know, we're always looking at new, you know, ways to bring people in. Like we've been doing a series of weekends for birders at the inn, and that's just you wouldn't necessarily go dogfish head and bird people, you know, bird watching people, but um, they've been great and successful, and they're bringing people in and. As Andrew said, you know, it's um, a mother nature base camp. And so it's just another way to connect different folks with Dogfish Head and, and our stories. And, um, you know, it's really cool to see them out there, you know, like, hey, like here we're looking for birds on the seawall here off of Lewis Beach. We're seeing all these cool birds and we're drinking this awesome beer. Like, we're always looking for creative and different ways into things. So, um, okay. 
I don't know what, and canned cocktails as, you know, we've been distilling for almost 20 years, but you know, our, our current focus with canned cocktails has been an awesome way to bring sort of the culinary, um, cocktail culinary approach that we've been working on at Chesapeake and Maine to life um, with the mixology program there. It was nominated for a James Beard Award the first year we opened there. And, you know, it, it just goes to speak about how we've sort of been dabbling and creating um, on that side too. So that's that's been a fun recent project as well. And we just launched two new um, cocktails this week. So, you know, there's always something new coming. It was it was interesting to watch the transition from Frankenstill uh, to all of a sudden, and because uh, I, your your distilling project hasn't been as obviously as widely publicized as the beer, and so from someone's kind of far away, the distilling now it's now it's in the can cocktails. Are you doing those all out of Milton? No, we don't. Have, we can't package them there because we don't have that kind of slim can packaging. Um, but yeah, that's where the they were born, and some of the initial distillation happens there. Um, so it's sort of a a multi step process that we're um, we're fine fine tuning. But uh, yeah, so eventually we might get to the point where we have enough um, you know sales to justify putting in that kind of packaging there. But we'll we'll play that one by ear. Gotcha, gotcha, and. Andrew, is there um, is there another inn in planning? Is there is there something, or is there an area of the inn that you wish that you could uh, that you could kind of expand or explore further? Um, well, we've got one one of the things I love about being part of Dogfish Head is that there's almost like nothing's off the table, right? Anything can happen, and uh, and I just think about what Mariah just said, and and a lot of it's about. It's about collaborations and the collaboration with the local bird guys that turned into this unbelievably awesome weekend um, and uh, our collaboration at the inn with Woolrich and we have a new collaboration with another coffee company in town. I think those collaborations are, are relationship building, but also com- it's community building as well. And uh, when I think about what's the future hold, what I get most excited about is what's the next collaboration, right? I mean, we've got Grateful Dead in there. We've got Miles Davis in there. And then you think about Hazy O and the oat milk story behind that one. Um, I think that, that those those collaborations help, help us drive innovation. So uh, Coastal Delaware is growing a lot. There's a lot of folks uh, coming this way. And uh, I think with with just more and more people sort of having it crop up on their radar i'm just excited to see you know what's our next collaboration going to be because uh how do, you, how, how do you top the grateful dead and pearl jam and i mean that's <laughs> you're setting the bar pretty high there i know yeah. i know yeah. so uh that's a good question um i don't think you i don't know i think it's doable it's doable we'll okay. see Okay. Well, we don't have to top them. We just have to move in a little bit different direction. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. That's right. Okay. So the next time the Stones are in town, or uh... <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, when they make a tour date stop through coastal Delaware. That's okay. right. That yeah. happens. You know, you'll be just as surprised as we are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair, fair well, enough. I mean, you got Jeff Gordon and NASCAR in there, right? Anything goes. Anything goes here. <laughs> Paul McCartney yeah. was here for Firefly Festival a couple of years yeah. ago. That's pretty cool. Robert, did it turn, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, and it, like you said, anything could happen, right? 
Yeah. Um, how do you, so speaking of in, speaking of innovation, going back on on that thread and innovating and finding um, new roads to explore, how how do you stay true to the exploratory roots at the and I look at as the supply chain is is having its challenges and the culinary insp- inspirations like the price of supplies keeps going up how do you find new roads to explore when the it seems like there are these increasing hurdles you have to jump or these new challenges to face we get more flexible <laughs> I, okay. I mean I don't know okay. I, I don't know that that really pertains to the current supply chain. Cause you know, most of our sort of, particularly if it's something that's coming out of from a packaging standpoint, like, you know, that's many months in, in the works, obviously right now we're feeling the, the crunch, but that's not just around innovation. That's around like getting pint glasses. So you're right, like, sure. it's not, you know, um, so where there's a will, there's a way. Um, from a creative standpoint yeah. though, as you're, it's, oh, we can't brew with that because it's not available. Yeah, I mean, that really hasn't, hampered us like in this current supply okay. chain issue thing because when we're when we're ideating we're doing so at a very small scale like okay. at the brewery in the brew pub in Rehoboth or at the small um innovation brewery in Milton um the question and so we if you come to Milton or Rehoboth you're going to find dozens of beers that will never make it to production but that's where we have you know the, that's where the creativity really starts um and so the the get getting access to ingredients isn't the most challenging at that level it's more like okay this was really well received we're going to try to scale it up maybe make it a seasonal like release or a one time a year release or a full year release then then you have to think through those things um and you know pull in your awesome you know, superhero partners from the procurement team and figure out like how you find um, what it is that you need to find. Um, so hopefully this all sort of begins to normalize and we can um, have confidence that we'll be able to get pint glasses and ingredients and toilet paper for, for months and months to come. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, to you, I'm gonna. I'm trying to be respectful of your time too. I know uh, it's. We're. I got a couple of minutes left. A, a couple of questions to kind of wrap up. Um, personal curiosity: Do you bot, still bottle in seven fifties? No, we do not. No. I mean, I look, we have. Um, we've done a few by hand. We do the three seventy fives out okay. of Delaware. Like we released those on a regular uh, sort of cadence um, last year and the year before we did a series called Wouldn't It Be Nice? There was a lot of woodage stuff that came in in that size bottle. Uh, but there, we don't have a system that allows us to scale up like okay. the speed of packaging enough on those bo- size bottles. And even with our um, foolproof spirits bottles, like that's a very still manual process, which is partially probably why we're not um, shipping full strength spirits um, across the United States. So no, but, but those are fun sizes to, to do fun stuff with, whether that's from, we have a whole, obviously, like I said, a wood aged barrel program. Um, We have a whole sour, we call it the sour patch at the brewery where it's really focused on um, all sorts of different sours. So those are the kinds of beers that find their way into those sort of non 
I would say non-traditional for us packaging, but you're right. We used to have a whole bunch of 750s um, and we just found that the the consumer, as they were moving, I guess, it, I think simultaneously, like cans became sort of the um, yeah. package of choice in the craft beer industry as um, people were more interested in or less interested in the big, you know, the bomber bottles and, and growlers became much more um accepted like, hey, I'm going to go swing it by and get a growler or a crowler. So I think the confluence of all that sort of, at least for us, made us sort of step away from 750s. Gotcha. I still see them every once in a while. And it's, I, I didn't, and the seeing the pictures in the book made me wonder. Yeah. We did it has- one of uh, the 40s as well. We did our liquor de mall as well. Oh, so yeah, that's right. We yeah. did venture back into that, but. Yeah. <laughs> Don't see those much. It is cool um, to just see when people are looking through the book or seeing it on social media where you see like people going, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that beer or, oh, my gosh, I hope they bring back that beer. And we do bring back a lot of these beers that have been profiled in the book through the brewing um, program at the brew pub in Rehoboth. So like we just had uh, Indian brown ale come back in a couple of weeks. We're releasing chicory stout. And those are all 16 ounce can releases. Um but they do come out, I don't know, maybe six or so times a year. We're bringing back sort of like a retro beer um, off of that system. So we get to all get to have our apricot fix or, our, you know, whatever it is. Favorite, insert your favorite past dogfish beer here fix. <laughs> and then, then the guy on social media who's been saying, bring back that beer every time you post something thinks that he got a win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think I oh, yeah. Do it. Except yeah. the other- he or she has to come to Coastal Delaware, which, in my opinion, is a win. But um, doesn't <laughs> sit well with well, them. It depends on how how passionate that that blood runs. Sure, that's <laughs> sure. a place for them to stay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's that was the real. So they get, keep a room warm for them. Um, what's if you could bring back one dogfish beer? What would it be? Well, I, I was really excited to have Indian brown ale last week, but I have to say my one of my longtime faves has been chicory stout. So, you know, that is coming back. We're going to release that on Black Friday in um, cans. Um, so I'm excited it's coming back. But, um, I look forward yeah. to that one. That was my gateway beer. Just chicory was, stout? Yeah. Hey, but a- right, come on up. Andrew has a place for you to stay. That's right. Yeah, That's right. yeah, uh, honey. Let me tell you about the next travel we're gonna do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. be, a t- be a tough sell, Andrew. For me, for me, it's uh, it's one that still cycles back every now and then. Just kind of like the, just like the chicory Mariah's talking about, but it's it's seventy five minute cask at the pub, and uh, there's just something about it when it's on the cask at the pub on the on the engine. It's just so good. So that one's uh, one of my favorites for sure. And uh, I also like uh, the story behind the evolution of the label on it as well with uh, with Johnny Cask. So, but that's that's one of my go tos. And Chicory's Chicory's another one. But Mariah went first, so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go seventy five. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. I I'll throw in Theo Brahma. Yes. That, that one was pretty fantastic. But, 
Askinosi chocolate in it, which was also really good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but isn't that some of the? That's one of the thing about it, when it goes away, you appreciate it a little bit more. That's right. Yeah, absence yeah. makes the heart makes the heart grow fonder. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one last question: Is there any? What's what ingredients, and I'll use that word broadly, um, would you like to see explored? So maybe Andrew for the inn, Mariah for the beer. Is there something that is really you know, burning up that we really need that I would love to taste that in a beer? I mean, we put carrot cake and squid ink and, you know, all kinds of interesting ingredients in beer, maybe not dogfish, but in craft beer. Is there a final frontier? Is there a, a star that we're following? Hmm. Something so, to go in beer? Yeah, or, or, or a grain or a hop or is there... I know you guys have uh, um, a beer coming out. I don't know how much that uh, we that said about... Um, the where the wild hops are i've read a little bit about that one in terms of uh the blends and and different things going on there but i didn't know if that was something that we were that was going to be explored more uh, with later beers or if that was something just isolated with that one not trying to give you hints or steer you in a direction but <laughs> if that's where you choose to go you know <laughs> i will say we did a beer last year or maybe it was the year before um with regenerative grown barley which regenerative grown barley actually pulls carbon out of the atmosphere and sequesters it in the earth and it's a whole way of growing lots of crops um, but barley can be one of them and then there's other grains that that do that so i think the whole idea of thinking about how our ingredients you know if if there's a way ingredients can actually help do good in the world like that to me, that's pretty freaking cool. And, um, you know, I know we, we've done some trials, um, at the brew pub and at the brewery with some different grains. So if you're looking, if you're visiting, you know, ask, you can ask if we've done any, you know, if anything on tap uses those grains, cause, um, our brewers have gotten really excited about trying, trialing different sort of, um, I don't, I don't call them alternative crops, although maybe they are called alternative crops. I don't know, but it's just a different way of growing. And, the more far, the more market there is for people to buy those grains, the more farmers are incent to actually grow that way. So I think that's kind of cool. Very cool. Very cool. Andrew? And, uh, that's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff at the end we don't want to put into a beer. Your new coffee blend makes a really good beer, right? Yes. Yep, that is true. So we work with uh, we work with Rise Up, who's a local roaster on Delmarva, and um, and uh, Brian Selders down at the pub has actually done a number of small projects with them, and we also made a, a booze for breakfast, which was uh, like a coffee liqueur that you can get down in uh, in Rehoboth right now, and I know that Brian was just over there brew actually roasting beans with the uh, with the Rise Up guys. So uh, that's one that I love. I think it's similar to what Mariah is talking about, too. If you cool. think about 8,000 plus breweries across the country or whatever the number is now. And um, the, the more we do stuff like the, the regenerative gr crops 
or we're supporting local farmers and uh, and local local resource things, it's uh, it's it's making a, it's making a strong impact. So those are the things that I that stand out to me. And I also think about like the story of Sequential, where you know the black limes are really really unique, but really the 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 mechanics behind brewing that beer is is really pushing the limits. So I think with so many breweries in the country, a lot of it now too has to do with process and really trying to push the envelope and make some mistakes in the process. But you know how how far can we take it? Um, so uh, those are those are some of the things that that sort of stick out to me. And I did love our beer for breakfast with Scrapple in it. If you don't know what Scrapple is, that one stands out. It's don't just, look it up. I, I I saw it. Unfortunately, I'm a vegetarian, so it was, it was inaccessible. But so it goes. Well, I'm not sure it qualifies as meat, but <laughs> <laughs> it is animal product. So yeah. that one's one of my favorites. But uh, it's not. It was tough on some folks for sure. Awesome. <laughs> well, and and that's okay because one of the fun things about beer is that there, there's story and community in it. I find as much as anything, and it, it is, it is more of a uniter than a divider. If you take in the right way, like you said, beer geek, not beer snob. So yeah. and Andrew, Mariah, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you taking the time and talking with me about the book and your experience and everything. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for joining me for my conversation with Mariah Calagione and Andrew Greeley of Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. My thanks to Mariah and Andrew for taking the time to talk about the brewery, about the book, and about all the projects they have in store at Dogfish Head. If you like what you heard, remember to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't like what you heard, or if you have suggestions about who you'd like to see interviewed in the future, please reach out to me at mark at floridabeernews.com. That's Mark at FloridaBeerNews.com. And we'll be back soon to talk to you about what's going on in the world beer-wise. Cheers. Cheers.